up to 70% off. That's right, at Court Furniture Clearance Center. Get up to 70% off new retail prices and choose from a wide variety of previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. All items are court certified, guaranteed, and in stock, ready for delivery or to take home today. Make the smart choice and visit one of our five locations in the DMV or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off. Welcome to a special edition of the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Sardo. Today, I'm speaking with Ren Schmidt. You may know Ren from I Saw the Light with Tom Hiddleston, HBO's Boardwalk Empire, The Americans, and most recently as Megan Holter on Robert Kirkman's Outcast, available on Cinemax. Hey, Ren, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. Sure thing. Your character, Megan Holter, has a very powerful story arc through season one. As an actor, how did you prepare for that roller coaster ride? Ah, dark magic. <laughs> dark magic and sorcery. I I like to work script by script. So I, I kind of was going along for the journey um, roughly at the same, I guess, the same pace as Megan. I didn't want to know what was happening in advance. I just kind of wanted to focus and immerse myself in, you know, on each scene as it came. So as far as doing a lot in advance, really my way into the series was Megan's humor, uh, as well as her relationship with Kyle. And then I kept building on those kind of foundational pieces with every scene and every episode. So for me, it was never about you know, I always knew I always knew that something kind of intense went down in her childhood and Kyle protected her because that's referenced in the pilot. But as far as exactly what that was, I didn't know that until um, later on. So, you know, I would kind of build each episode or build, um, continue to build on the character with each episode, which is, is my way of making sure that I don't get ahead of the character. Um, or ahead of where the writers are going. At the end of episode nine, you become possessed. And what did it say in the script? Oh, man. I don't uh, don't even remember. Because we don't know a lot about the demon. So I wanted to know what there was in the script. Did it just say you were possessed and then you turned into whatever? Or what? Do you remember any of that? No, there. I mean, there was, there was definitely a lot more in, <laughs> in the script than that. Um, it, I, I think, you know, a script is a script is tricky because it's written for, it's written for, um, it's it's kind of like the blueprint for each episode, but it's written with the writer knowing that there are many different people reading it. So there are network network executives that read it, the director reads it, the actors read it. Um, the production designer reads it, makeup and hair, you know, so there's, there are all kinds of cues that are in a script, um, and some of them are for everybody, some of them are geared towards um, a certain group, and then there's the stuff that that I feel like we as actors pick up on, um, which is not just dialogue. And for me, I guess, with the, the possession, the cues that were the most important to me were physical cues about what she was experiencing or feeling so it was less about like oh possessed and it was more about what's the 
what's the sensory overload that's happening for her in those moments when she's not herself anymore. And you mentioned that you went kind of episode by episode reading the script. What was it like when you found out that you had to kill David Denniman's character, your husband, Mark Holter, on the show? I, I mean, I was sad to see him go. I loved working with David. He's a really, he's not only a great person, um, but he's a really fun coworker. I think he brought so much to that character. So it was a little bit like, I want to kill you. <laughs> Can you not die? Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, and I also think the way that it happens is, is shocking, um, which I think is is important because it's not only important because that's exciting for um, the audience, but I also think it's important that it's it's shocking um, to both characters and it, that it's this enormous accident. You know, it's it's this really unfortunate accident. It's not it's not her intention to kill him. It's you know she you know this thing that's inside her. That's it's kind of one of the ways that our showrunner described it to me which I thought made a lot of sense it's like a caveman being in control of a rocket ship so you know there's this this entity or this thing that's inside her that doesn't really know how this body works or this world works and all of a sudden there's a perceived threat which is Mark so Megan when she's not really Megan anymore isn't reacting to the, her husband, it's this thing reacting to there being uh, a perceived threat, you know, which is basically like, you know, it's fight or flight. And I think you, you kind of answer my next question because this is, for me, was the nightmare scene that's going to, when I think of Outcast, this scene is the nightmare scene for me, is the blood fingerprint on the eyeball. <laughs> and... <laughs> Was that you? Can you talk about setting up that scene, or was that somebody else's finger? No, that was my finger. <laughs> no, it was, it was my finger, um, and it was—I mean, it was—it was a similar, it was a similar um, approach, which is what's well, this? You know, because again, Megan's not Megan; it's this caveman in a rocket ship or this this entity um, exploring its new environment. So it was, it was literally about having a sense of curiosity and play. So not being a human thinking, ugh, eyeball, but being this thing, being like, what is that? Ooh, that's squishy when I poke it. Mm, that feels weird. You know, it was about, it was really about the curiosity. Still, it chills. It's a creepy, um, a, yeah. so disturbing. Yeah. Is Megan strong enough to recover from the events of season one and move forward in season two? I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. Um, we're not very far into filming season two, uh, so I am because I like to I like to um, be almost behind the, the you know the eight ball or behind the curve, whatever that saying would be. Um, I'm, I, I don't know, and I'm really excited to see where they want to take her in the next season. You know, I think I think that'll be really fascinating to see if she recovers, how she recovers, but I know as much as you, which is pretty much nothing. <laughs> in preparing for this interview, I watched the EW Comic-Con interview with the cast, 
and you and Patrick were goofing off in the corner. In a dark series like this, how important is it to keep things lighthearted? I, I mean, I think that it's important. I mean, the thing is, is when you're actually filming this stuff, it's a lot of times it's very technical. A lot of times you are goofing off um, while you're waiting for the technical stuff to be sorted out. And when you're actually doing the thing, it's about, you know, having your hand at a certain angle in the shot. If we're talking about the eyeball, for instance, where it's like, no, no, move your hand to the left, left. Okay, there. Wait, now raise your wrist up so it's not blocking the shot. Now push your finger down. So there's kind of like a built-in hilarity to the fact that it is so technical. But I also think we just enjoy working with each other. You know, we've got a great cast. We all really actually like each other, um, which is really fun when the camera's not rolling. But I also think we all really like working with each other, which makes the job really fun when the camera is rolling. But I mean, as far as as far as keeping it light, I don't know. I feel like the I feel like having fun um, helps balance out the darker stuff, which can be it can be really exhausting and draining. You talked about that you have a great cast to work with. What was your favorite moment filming in season one of Outcast? I mean, I would say the, the whole season finale for me was a tremendous challenge because it was all physical. So that that all of that was really fun for me. A lot of it was also deeply uncomfortable because when we were filming a lot of it, uh, when I was outside, it was maybe 37, 38 degrees and I was wet. So there was like a certain sense of achievement getting through some of those scenes. You know, it was kind of like I'd have so much adrenaline that when we'd finish, I'd be like, I can't believe we just did that. Oh, my God, we just did that. But leading up to that, I don't know, I have so many favorite moments. I really love the, I really loved shooting the scene in the pilot. That's uh, the first time that the audience meets Megan, where she, she goes to kind of, for lack of a better phrase, kick Kyle's ass into gear. Uh-huh. I love shooting that scene. I thought that was a, a ton of fun. You see, second episode, third. Um, fourth, the fourth episode was also a lot of fun for me, um, working with Scott Porter. He was a great addition to our cast. And as, as difficult as that final scene was between them and the hotel, um, that was also a lot of fun to shoot because it, um, it was a real challenge to conti- kind of continually keep up that energy and that emotional, um, I guess, commitment throughout the scene. I also really loved shooting um, the scene, the kind of like the weird picnic that Megan and Kyle have in episode six, as well as again, um, the Donnie scene that's at the later in that episode. Yeah, I feel like those are those and those are more about the fact that like I just loved working with those actors. And David and I, David Denman, who plays Mark Coulter, um, we had some fun stuff in episode four, um, as well as in episode seven. Although when you're really in like a screaming match with someone and you you're fully immersed in that, I don't I don't know how fun that can be. <laughs> there are moments where you're like, Oh my god <laughs> I think I think the day after I we finished filming that the night before I'd cried almost for like six hours straight and the next day I had a premiere to go to I was like I just hope my my eyes aren't swollen shut 
Um, but that, yeah, that was that was a tough scene. But ultimately, I felt like the you know what we got on film was really great. You talk about the hotel scene, and I just remember you walking down that hallway, and, and this being a Cinemax show and a Robert Kirkman show. I was like, this is not going to end well for Megan. And then to see you that scene, <laughs> yeah. to see you survive that scene and how powerful it was. And I was, I was like, okay, Kirkman's taking this in a different direction. And then you get to episode nine and then the season finale. And I was like, oh, that's where Kirkman shows up. And like I said in the beginning, this was, I didn't plan watching this show with you being kind of the, the biggest arc out of it. Everybody else kind of stays the path, but your character really stands out as far as where you started and where you end and is that something you're proud of yeah but i mean i want to i would want to give a lot of credit to robert and to chris black our showrunner as well as to our great team of writers you know i mean i think as an actor there's so much that you can do with material that you're given but there's you know when you're handed something like you know megan holter in this show, and you're also handed a bunch of terrific scripts, as well as a ton of, you know, terrific scene partners. You kind of, you kind of are given a really great setup, and then you just have to try and not fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that was for me. It was. I think that's also part of why I like to stay within each script. Is you know, it's like, no, let's just keep focused on the scene at hand or the work at hand. You know, like, let's not get out of ourselves. And I, I think that approach paid off. So, yeah, it was it was a really, really fun journey to go on with everybody. But um, it was, I definitely was the conduit, you know, for a lot, a, a group of much smarter, more fabulous, imaginative people. <laughs> Ren, I ask all my guests this question. If you were to star in a buddy cop film, who would be your partner and why? Oh shit! Um, that's such a good question. Oh, I was starring a buddy cap film. Well, without giving too much thought to it, um, after having worked with Brent Spiner for like a day, I think you know Ren Schmidt and Brent Spiner would be a pretty phenomenal pairing. <laughs> I think Mostly all the because- nerds, all the nerds at Comic Con, are geeking out over that right now. <laughs> well, I, well, I just think it's it's cool because it's totally unexpected. You'd be like, wait, what? Who and who? <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, I'm also a huge fan um, of so many fabulous actresses. That and there's so many people that I'd love to work with. I'd love to work with Brie Larson, who I know is kind of you know she's exploding right now, but because her work is so good. So I don't know. I feel like if there was like some like cross-country road trip buddy cop movie if i could do that with brie hint hint um that'd be great i would also really love to work with mia wazikowski who's also phenomenal and god there's so many other actresses that are so so good i'm basically like holding back the like the basically like me opening the floodgates of naming like all my favorite actresses so I mentioned Brent Spiner, I mentioned Bree, I mentioned Mia. I don't know. I also think it'd be really fun to play like salty cop to um, someone like uh, Janet McTeer. I don't know, man. There's so many good actresses. I just want to like, I'm like, mm, dudes, yeah, maybe. Mm, let's talk about girls, girl cops. 
yeah, pajama material would be amazing. Um, I don't know. It depends on the genre of the buddy cop film. Like, where, like, is it serious? Is it totally, like, goofball comedy? Because if it was that, then I'd be like, Ellen DeGeneres, could you come out of being a TV host and be my buddy cop friend? I don't know. There's so many, there's so many good people out there. Or John Oliver. <gasps> but then it would probably just be like John Oliver being John Oliver. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to keep thinking about that. Um, and but before we wrap up, I might have another idea. Well, that was my last question. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Uni, how much time do we have? Um, we have to move on to the next one soon. Oh, okay. I was also wondering, I was, I saw your tweet and I was thinking like, what are people going to ask? But. Well, that was the one question that was, came up and I was going to get into it is they wanted to know if Megan and Kyle were going to team up and fight demons in season two. Oh, that I don't know, but that would be pretty rad. I've actually thought about that. I'm like, what, what would that even look like? (laughs) I have no, I have no idea. I don't know. But, Ren, thank you so much for your time, and best of luck with season Thank two. you. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was Ren Schmidt. You can follow her on Twitter at Ren Schmidt, and you can watch season one of Outcast on Cinemax now. This concludes the special edition of the Monkey Sweaty Robots podcast. If you enjoyed the interview, leave a comment below. I'm Matt Sardo, and this is Monkey Sweaty Robots. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.